You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Flyers fans, welcome to episode 213 of the Press Zone Philadelphia. We have a great show for you today. Patrick Williams is back with another edition of the AHL Hot Stove. Great topic today. You don't want to miss it. We are going to touch on that and more when we get started right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here. And I don't know about you, but the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Now, DraftKings is giving all their new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Now, you just bet $1 on any football game this weekend, and you get $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any football game. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure. I use it, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Flyers fans, how are you today? Welcome to this week's episode of the Press Zone Philadelphia right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. We're a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network, so shout out to them and the fine folks at DraftKings, our sponsor. Uh, Remember to use that promo code THPN that you heard at the top of the show. Uh... We welcome you. Uh, I am your host, Amy Johnson, also the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And I'm joined each and every week in the studio by my wonderful co-host. He's our editor-in-chief and founder at Rocket Sports. And that would be Rick Stevens. Welcome to you and to all of our listeners today. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Glad to be with you. Glad to be with our listeners. And we have so much hockey to talk about today. We're moving into the second week of September uh, development camps are done, and that means training camp is just around the corner. Absolutely, it does. Uh, first and foremost, before we get to that, I just want to uh, 
send out our best wishes to to all of our listeners uh, in in the in the Philadelphia area, South Jersey, in New Jersey. Uh, the the remnants of Hurricane Ida that came through this week we know had some pretty historic flooding in and around the Philadelphia suburbs. Uh, and particularly with the tornadoes that hit in uh, Bucks and Montgomery County, as well as in New Jersey, there's a significant loss of life, significant flooding, significant property loss. Uh, we hope that everyone is okay. We hope that you are uh, digging out from all of that well uh, and that you're safe and that we uh, are thinking about you during a, a really, really difficult time. And And don't ever, do we need to say, apparently we need to say, don't jump into flooded highways uh, around Philadelphia <laughs> that are flowed that are flooded because of the Schuylkill River. Of course, Philadelphia health folks are telling everyone who's done that, go get a tetanus shot because that really wasn't really wasn't the best way to celebrate. Um, but on the hockey front, uh, we have uh, lots of great things to talk about today. Development camp wrapped up for the Flyers last week, so we'll have just a, a quick look at how things ended and some words from uh, a new face to the Flyers organization, Mike O'Connell, um, as well as dun, 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 the Flyers are going to make a Hall of Fame induction this year. Uh, and So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Before, in our second segment, uh, Patrick Williams joins us again for another edition of the AHL Hot Stove, and we're going to talk about how precarious this season is for the AHL ahead in terms of uh, coping with effects of the pandemic and and how viable the league uh, is and needs this season to be. So it's going to be a fantastic segment that you don't want to miss. Ready to get to it. Ready to get to it. So uh, let's... uh, Bef- uh, I should also mention, um, before we start talking about Flyers news, uh, it, it, hockey fans around the world have been pretty captivated this past week about the uh, offer sheet that was successful uh, for, for the Carolina Hurricanes, the first successful offer sheet in quite a number of years. Um, if, uh, if you aren't familiar, we do have a Montreal version of this podcast. And so if you are interested in hearing our takes on how all of that went down, we certainly uh, welcome you to check out the Press Zone Montreal. Uh, and you'll hear Rick and I give you details and audio clips and oh, some opinions here and there as well. So be sure to check that out. But uh, in, in the land of orange and black, uh, development camp did wrap up ne- last week. Uh, things ended with uh, a three-on-three scrimmage with the prospects on Wednesday. Uh, it was a, it was quite a lengthy affair. They, it took a couple of hours uh, for them to go through a bunch of different, uh, uh, different teams and so forth. And uh, Rick, it was a, uh, one young Tyson Forrester, who certainly was uh, there to make an impression, <laughs> scoring, uh, I think, five goals on the day. It was a pretty lively affair for for young Forrester. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so, really, it was a it was kind of a condensed. We talked about how it was a it was a little uh, different for for development camp to be happening at the end of. August, beginning of September, instead of where it normally falls in the summer, which is a few weeks before the draft at the beginning of July. Um, And so things looked a little different. They didn't necessarily do things the way they normally do. And so um, 
to talk about that a little bit, uh, Mike O'Connell met with the media for the first time this past week uh, since coming on board with the Flyers uh, as a senior advisor to Chuck Fletcher uh, with a with a, his focus really centering about, around player development. And I guess first, Rick, before we talk about the things that, that he had to say, I guess we should talk a little bit about who Mike O'Connell is and, and why he's uh, uh, will be a valued part of the player development system in Philadelphia. Certainly a, a, a gentleman with a, a great deal of hockey experience, both from his playing career, um, 860 games uh, in the NHL for the Blackhawks, Bruins, Red Wings. Uh, and then he went into coaching, uh, into uh, being a general manager, the Bruins, and then um, headed to uh, California to uh, spend a great deal of time with the Los Angeles Kings. Um, the, in, and mostly there on the development side, uh, developing prospects for the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, so it's a it's a great asset to to the Flyers for him to come on board uh, at the end of last season, particularly with the pandemic and so forth. And he's getting a little uh, older. He's he's in his sixties and and uh, wants to spend more time with the grandkids and so forth. And so he he decided that it was time for him to leave the the LA Kings organization. And uh, Dean Lombardi and and Chuck Fletcher both reached out to him, spoke to. To him extensively, and and they all came to an agreement that uh, Philadelphia was a good place for him to land. So, um, one of the first things that he says that he he always looks for uh, when coming to a development camp is, and I thought this was interesting, Rick, because we just talked about this last week. We mentioned that um, in Wade Allison's media availability during the beginning of training cam- uh, development camp. Um, that Wade Allison, being a, a very young prospect himself, was talking about how uh, he he was enjoying uh, kind of taking the 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 first time around prospects under his wing and you know making sure they knew what to do and where to go and and talking about taking a leadership role even though he's very young as it is and and Mike O'Connell says that one thing that he looked for was for the older prospects who'd been through previous camps to take on a leadership role with the first timers and he says quote from what I see so far they've been outstanding they lead the drills they want to do the drills correctly they clean up after themselves. They show the utmost respect for the trainers. It just happens perpetually. And as an organization and as developers, we have to help set that tone as well to make sure that there's healthy respect for the people who helped them get better, the people who run the facility, the coaches, as well as the trainers and everyone. And I really liked that statement, Rick, partially because um, – it's great to hear that the older prospects that were at camp are exhibiting the right kind of uh, maturity and and responsibility. Um, but part of what he says there too is is a it, it's a it's a policy and an outlook that you've instilled uh, with the Rocket Sports Media team since its inception, and that is um, you treat everyone you come in contact with with respect. If it's the guy who who cleans the bathrooms, if it's a ticket taker, if it's the Zamboni driver, or if it's the head coach, you treat everyone with the same amount of respect. And I, I liked hearing uh, that Mike O'Connell has that same kind of parallel uh, uh, value. That's right. And he, he also talked about how it's it's a natural progression in, in the organization. You want uh, those leadership qualities uh, to be built at all levels. Um, and in the development uh, side, you're going to be 
um, dealing with the younger players on the team, um, on the big team, who have had some development experience, uh, have had some mentoring from uh, Flyers players, uh, older veteran Flyers players, but now they can use that and pass that on to the uh, prospects who are uh, attending their first or second uh, Flyers camp. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he, I like how he also talks about how, um, of course, they didn't, uh, they didn't run them as hard as they normally do uh, at development camp simply because they want them to be healthy and refreshed heading into training camps, uh, which are just next week. They're just starting around the corner. So uh, they they changed things up a little bit. Um, but I also like this part, too. You know, we remember when Elaine Vigneault joined this team. Uh, it's still on the Flyers' bio on their Twitter page. It's just that Elaine Vigneault's quote of be an effing flyer. Um, and... Not that Mike O'Connell was taking it to that extent, but he says, we want to make sure that we give our young players, the recent draft picks who haven't been to these development camps, the opportunity to understand what the Flyers are about and how the development is going to work for them. Really, what's important to be a Flyer? What you need to understand if you're going to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. You have to do this, this, and this to play. A little bit of education for the younger players, but also as well the older players who've been around. Um, I really like that emphasis as well, that there really is an identity and a culture to, to playing for the Philadelphia Flyers organization, and they want to instill that in their prospects at the ground level, day one, the first time they come to the facility as a group. This is our culture. Um, we're going to communicate our expectations to you and then you're going to have the opportunity to, um, uh, to, to, to fit into a role, to, to see how you uh, uh, fit into the overall structure. That, that, that structure, that, those communicating expectations, talking about culture um, is really important for, for young players to, uh, to, to, to give them the kind of support that they need when they're trying to figure things out when they're trying to deal with new experiences um, and and when their their confidence may be uh, affected well and and it actually does go hand in hand you even mentioned this as we were kind of reading through some of Mike O'Connell's quotes from it um, that some of this is very similar to what the hockey world did just to just witness with the Yasperi Kakanyemi offer sheet um, in particular uh, Wade Allison was one of the the players that uh, O'Connell commented on and he's very he's very impressed with Allison he thinks there's a lot of upside there he thinks that he's got all of the makings of someone who's going to be uh, a naturally scoring uh, excellent NHL player but there were some there were some quotes in in relation to to Wade Allison that O'Connell had that that you that really stood out to you particularly uh, it, there, there were, and and um, he talked about giving prospects, um, and in particular Wade Allison. We've got to give him the necessary confidence that young players need. Um, not, not, uh, not give them a big head. Not uh, boost them. You know, not cheerlead here. Give them the necessary confidence, because as he says, uh, young prospects they they're emo they're emotional. Uh, they uh, have uh, you know can have wild fluctuations in their confidence. Uh, they go up, they go down. So um, we, the quote is: "We've got to f make sure that we fill in those times when his confidence might lack, or 
uh, or when he gets too confident. Uh, so, so they have to adjust that. They have to monitor that. They, they have to be the governor of, of uh, and, 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 and mediator of, of uh, moderator of that confidence. Um, and, and that's really, really important for young players. And, and, uh, and yes, back to Jesperi Kakinemi, he mentioned um, how uh, amazing it was and what a, what a contrast there was the way that uh, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes expressed their confidence in him rather than what he had been used to. O'Connell went on to, to make some comments about uh, two promising young defensemen as well, Cam York and Yegor Zamula, um, calling them both high IQ players, that they both see the ice very well but with different skill sets. Um and 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 had some very positive things to say about both of them. I like that he that he capped off his comments about them by saying, uh, both are going to I think have great capabilities to be extremely effective not only in the NHL but on a winning NHL team. That is a vote of confidence for a young prospect for for someone of his stature to to make that kind of projection about them. Um, Isaac Ratcliffe is another one who um, he had some some good things to say. And, uh, you know, Rick, we know that Isaac Ratcliffe has has always been one. He 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 has told us time and time again, um, it's this he's not worried about the points coming right now. He's just worried about work, working on the small details of his game. And he's got you know, he's a he's a big guy um, and and has things to work on there. But but O'Connell had some really positive things to say about him as well. Um and it's all about um, figuring out that role, helping right. a player figure out his place in the team. Uh, he said, uh, we have to help him just identify his game. Um, so a lot of players uh, from junior, from NCAA, uh, they, they, they uh, in, in Ratcliffe's uh, case, um, on the top line in, in junior uh, with Nick Suzuki, um, he's not going to have that same role in the, uh, in the NHL. Where, so where does he fit in? The organization is going to help him identify how he can t- contribute and how he can the the tools, the skill set that he brings to the organization, how he can best apply that and 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 where, um, and and it helps him with his confidence and and the stability, knowing that he has a role to play in the organization. Absolutely. Um, and last but not least, uh, he did mention the Flyers, one of the Flyers' newest prospects, Samuel Tuamala, taken in the second round this summer. Uh, I just love I just love the quote that he has about him. He says, he's a fun player to watch. Every time he gets on the ice, he kind of brings me out of my seat watching this kid go. Uh, so uh, he's obviously uh, he gets very excited watching Tuamala play. Um, check out the Flyers' website. Uh, this uh the, the article is by Bill Meltzer. He's got even more uh, quotes from O'Connell and goes a little deeper into some of the analysis and so forth. But it was a, um, a re- just some really good analysis from a new face in the, in the player development department uh, for the Flyers. And I think uh, pretty good indications that the prospects were looking pretty good in the development camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it is... Uh, News that came out last week was that uh, a committee was being formed, and in fact, uh, just today, uh, the nominees were announced. But for the first time in a number of years, um, it's at least, I think, five or six years, uh, the Flyers are going to be inducting someone into the Flyers Hall of Fame this season. Um, 
The nominating committee whittled it down to six finalists. And so now uh, a voting committee uh, comprised of um, whether they're current Flyers Hall of Fame members, their Flyers alumni, front office staff, uh, broadcasters, and also uh, members of the Philadelphia chapter of the Professional Hockey Writers Association will will now go through a voting process with these six finalists. Um, and, well, Rick, who's it coming down to? There's some pretty well-known names in there. There are. <laughs> um, the, the, the last uh, induction was uh, Jimmy Watson in 2016. Before that, current uh, Hurricanes coach uh, Rod Brindamore. Um no guarantees that, uh, you know, that there have been a, a number of years go by since uh, there was an induction. Uh, but there there may be one of this list. There may be more than one of this list. Yeah, they're not limited. So we have uh, on the the list of six, uh, the first name uh, is Simone Gagne. Um, 691 uh, NHL games played, 535 points, 11 seasons as a Philadelphia Flyer and, and two-time award winner uh, of the Bobby Clark Trophy. Uh, you'll also have Paul Holmgren in there. Uh, of course, now, when, when the rumors were coming out last week that the induction committee was being put together uh, and a nomination committee being put together, uh, Homer's name came up a, an awful lot as a potential finalist. Um, you know, Holmgren has been with the Flyers for decades. Uh, yes, he played for the Flyers, um, but as, as they even say in the press release, he is the only individual in Flyers history to serve the organization as a player, an assistant coach, a head coach, a general manager, and a president. That's a... That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. Um, and you also have to keep in mind, he was very successful uh, at the draft during his tenure uh, as as GM uh, for those eight seasons. Um, made a trip to the Stanley Cup final in two t- 2010. Um, you know, it's it, Paul Holmgren is certainly uh, probably a front runner uh, in, in this in this group of nominees. Now, if there's anyone who can top Paul Holmgren, um, it's got to be Bob Kelly. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, it's got to be Bob Kelly. His 741 uh, games played. Um, has been uh, uh, affiliated with the Flyers organization for for 30 years. Um, He was part of of both Stanley Cup winning teams. He scored the game-winning goal to clinch um, uh, the Cup in in 75. Um, He's uh, tied for seventh in Flyers history in regular season games played, uh, playoff games um, as well. Uh, and he's also been an ambassador, uh, the ambassador of hockey for uh, the, the Flyers. Uh, he's he's part of all their community relations efforts. Uh, and he is, uh, you know, just a Mr. Flyer. And and, um, and it would be a big surprise, be a surprise to me uh, to see him not honored at some point. Absolutely. I mean, the, the inaugural Flyers Hall of Fame inductees were Bobby Clark and Bernie Perrant back in 1988. Uh, Bob Kelly is definitely due to join those guys, uh, and I and I do I do see him being a front runner as well. Another one, the next one on the list. This is it's it's interesting because this is not a former player, um, but you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who would not want to see this man inducted into the Flyers Hall of Fame, and that is Lou Nolan. Uh, 
served the team for a, a handful of years in the public relations department, but has been the public address announcer since 1972. Um, you equate Lou's voice with a Flyers home game, just like, um, you know, you you equate Lauren Hart with the anthem at home for the Flyers. You hear Lou's voice over that PA uh, announcer. Um, he started as a press box assistant back in the inaugural season. He's been with the team since it started back in 1967 uh, and uh, has held the position of PA announcer ever since the start of the 1972-73 season. Um, it just a tremendous icon in Philadelphia Flyers uh, team history and 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 current history. So Lou Nolan, I, he, he would get my vote as well. <laughs> Mark Recchi and Rick Tockett, uh, the similar kind of um, uh, uh, candidature, candidatures for uh, this honor. Uh, both played 600 games in the NHL. Both had exactly 232 goals. Talk at uh, 11 seasons with the Flyers. Recce, uh parts of 10 seasons as a Flyer. So there is your list. Simone Gagne, Paul Holmgren, Bob Kelly, Lou Nolan, Mark Recchi, and Rick Tockett. Uh, as, as Rick said, it could be one of those guys. It could be more than that. They aren't limited to only inducting one individual this, this year. So uh, we could see more than one. Um, and as soon as they vote and decide and make an announcement, uh, then the Flyers will then announce uh, what home game during the season will be uh, the night to honor him or them uh, with their Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So pretty exciting. I think it's pretty exciting. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, uh, with that, we are going to take a quick break on the other side. Patrick Williams is joining us in the studio for this week's AHL Hot Stove topic. We are going to talk about and look at all sides of the viability of this upcoming AHL season and how crucial it is uh, for the AHL and the league and all of its teams to have a, a, a successful season uh, without too many interruptions like we've had in the last year. So we're going to break all of that down with Patrick coming up next right after this. Well, folks, it is that time. We promised it uh, to you at the top of the show. Patrick Williams is back with us today, a new special contributor here at Rocket Sports Media, the AHL Report and the Press Zone, and of course, uh, the AHL contributor for NHL.com. Patrick, how are you today, sir? Good. Happy to be back uh, after that uh, debut uh, voyage, if you will. <laughs> it was a great debut voyage. Uh, very well received. Your your first uh, AHL hot stove segment a couple of weeks ago. For folks, if you missed that, of course, be sure to go check that out. Uh, Patrick will be joining us uh, here on the Press Zone bi-weekly. So every other week he'll be here and we'll... He'll be bringing a new AHL hot stove segment for the three of us to kind of break apart and and chew the fat about a little bit and and uh, get a little, get a little opinionated here and there. That's <laughs> never a bad thing. Um, and of course, be sure you're following Patrick on Twitter at p williams ahl and soon at the end of the month uh on the weeks that he's not appearing on the press zone you'll find some great uh feature article content that patrick will be writing at ahlreport.com so be on the lookout for that but for today uh the hot stove topic it is a hot one let me tell you uh it's uh, we're, we're officially calling it the viability of this ahl season and what does that mean well you know the ahl was on rocky ground last year there were uh, a 
a handful of teams that didn't even participate in the AHL season last year due to the financial constraints uh, and and risks uh, with the pandemic raging and a shortened season. Uh, and so this season, um, so far, it's setting up to be fingers crossed, toes crossed, uh, knock on wood, on a, on a path to normalcy. We have a season schedule. We have the divisions uh, back looking more like they normally do. Uh, ticket sales are going on and, and everyone seems to be gearing up for it. But um, what we're here to talk about today is really how important and pivotal this year is for the for the league and its individual teams from a financial standpoint uh, and how precarious this season will be if for some un- unfortunate reason uh, the pandemic really comes back in in some new unforeseen surge and and we start seeing shutdowns again so I guess Patrick let's start with just your thoughts on 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 that part of it uh, being, you know, how concerning is it that things are moving ahead, you know, full steam ahead right now, uh, but how precarious is that ledge that the league is sitting on uh, as we kind of, as, as you said before the show, you know, we're 40 some days away from opening night. Well, I thought two words you used there really captured it. Um, Pivotal, absolutely. And precarious. Uh, And that's pivotal is the long-term view precarious is where we're at right now, the more kind of short to midterm uh, view of, of the landscape and and where this is going. And um, the AHL managed to get through last season in one piece. It, it wasn't easy. I, I, I think I think some sometimes people are perhaps underestimating the, the exact challenges that teams are facing. Um, taking on uh, that challenge, uh, largely at the behest of the NHL, Quite frankly, um, there was for most for the most part no real benefit for the AHL to play last season. Um, you know, in terms of selling tickets and, and 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 making a business of it, it was simply to keep the NHL happy and to satisfy what the NHL needed. But uh, with that said, um, this season is absolutely uh, crucial. Uh, you you can't take another season like you had last season Mm-mm. where I mean you're not only not bringing your revenue you're taking on significant costs uh, in terms of testing in terms of the extra you know different protocols uh, the different sort of uh, travel arrangements you have to make uh, in certain cases um, and the answer you get through last year uh, you know if you had you asked me this two years ago do I think the AHL could survive going through a year with no revenue uh, for all intents and purposes, I would have said no way. And yet they managed to make it work somehow to try to, to try to duplicate that again. I think, uh, you know, that would be extremely, an extremely tall order. So um, that's kind of what's driving um, this, this almost player bust mentality um, that you have to play this year. I mean, if it's at all possible, if, if the the wider world is, is in a position at all to make that happen. So with that said, now you have to try to actually put the, those pieces all together. And uh, that's where you know, a lot of the, the details get really murky and messy. And um, we're in this kind of weird stage right now, just, uh, you know, as a society where you're seeing the numbers really spike up again. Uh, um, and, and yet there's not a whole lot more anybody can do other, other than get vaccinated, but, uh, obviously there, that's an issue. 
Um, so um, teams are, I think, trying their best to sort of walk those lines. We've seen uh, a number of teams now um, issue some some variation of a mandate, uh, you know, for, for vaccination or uh, some sort of uh, negative test results. Um, but that, that again, that that's a difficult um, challenge to take on for teams because you, you need additional staff hired to, to handle all those people coming through the gates uh, on game night. Uh, you're also, of course, going to have a certain amount of opposition from from some of your fans uh, who that may extend to them not buying tickets. Uh, so there's just a lot, a lot in play right now. I think teams are trying to wait this out as long as possible and, and not you know, kind of put themselves in a corner too quickly. But, you know, as we, you know, as we said earlier, I mean, we're 40 days or so out from the start of the season, that's six weeks or so. So at some point the rubber has to hit the road and uh, we'll have to see teams, make a decision one way or the other. I think that, um, yeah, you, say for, for fans that uh, entered uh, watching AHL hockey last year, uh, this, what we saw wasn't, wasn't regular, wasn't usual, and, and this, this year should be back to the original mandate. I think the, cha- the, the mandate of the league even uh, changed last year. Call-ups from the AHL were minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, because each team, each NHL team had, uh, the taxi squad, of course, those will be gone this year. Um, there was a shortened, a very shortened schedule last year. There were no, for the most part, there were no playoffs or no meaningful playoffs leading to a Calder cup. There weren't fans in the building. The, the, the divisional lineup was, was um, uh, changed and that will be back to normal this year. As I said, the taxi squads, those will be be gone. There was a large influx of, of CHL players last year uh, and some of the um, AHL veterans went elsewhere. That should be back to, to normal. Um, it's, it's, it's their, their mission maybe is, is uh, recaptured. Um, really, as you said, last year, what was the advantage? It, it certainly offered some prospects. Uh, the AHL did a place to play, but but um, otherwise, there the, the the whole mandate of the the league was changed. So that path to normalcy uh, will hopefully bring the AHL back in line with where they're supposed to. Uh, but as as you both said, very volatile, very precarious. Um, and and this this year, um, if there is is a full stop. I think that could be even more damaging than uh, when it stopped last time. And we didn't really know what was going to happen next. Well, that's the thing, right? Like last season, you sort of had the specter of the vaccine coming, coming on board and um, the sense that, okay, if you could get to that point when the vaccination really starts, uh, you know, in full, then that should get us all out of this situation, right? And we should, in theory, return to normal. Well, we kind of have it, we kind of have it. And that's, that's I think, where teams are finding themselves in that, in that awkward spot where, um, you know, to some extent, life is normal, but there's still this big cloud hanging over everything. And this, I think we're all a little bit rattled, obviously, you know, after the last 18 months of uh, waiting for the other shoe to drop and, uh, the sense that, uh, you know, this could go sideways quite easily once again. And, and then what? 
and because we don't really have another we don't have another magic bullet right. waiting right. necessarily in, in terms of like you know where we did last year with the vaccine uh that you know could be a real you know real game changer now it's sort of like well if this goes sideways then what what do we do then uh, there's not a whole lot more you can do at this point other than and hope that the vaccination rates go up, but that doesn't seem like it's happening at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's a very, I think it's a very touch and go situation for a lot of teams. And, you know, remember too, you know, this is a, a league that straddles uh, two countries, um, you know, is coast to coast in both countries for the most part. And um, there's wildly different uh uh, situations in terms of uh, you know, number of cases in different places. So, um, yeah, this is just a, a real, real complicated situation. Unfortunately, for the American Hockey League and for President Scott Halston, it, it's looking like it's quite possible that this will be another season of managing a pandemic rather than doing what he was brought in to do, which is to take over from Dave Andrews, implement some of his own ideas, his own agenda. Uh, now this is going to be more of a caretaker position. And, uh, you know, that's just another year that you're not necessarily able to move forward. And, and I think that's a tough spot for the lead right now. Well, and, the, you know, last year was exceptionally difficult for for the hockey world in general, but particularly, you know, the AHL um, financially took a big hit. Um, there are plenty of teams in around the league that uh, have a long ways to go to recover from the financial hit that they took last year. Um, and I know, you know, it's it's easy to get caught up in the excitement of, oh, tickets are on sale and, oh, there's promotional schedules out and, um, you know, talking about opening night coming soon and all of those kinds of things, but all of the all of the the factors that are lurking are in the in the shadows are things like um, restrictions for attendance. Let's you know mm -hmm. you've got uh, we already know that the Montreal Canadiens have confirmed uh, that they, according to for for uh, the Quebec Health Ministry, have already received confirmation that attendance will be capped for Montreal's NHL games at seventy five hundred. Uh, fans in attendance in the Bell Center. Uh, we don't know yet for AHL teams um, which uh, local governments are going to put those similar types of uh, attendance restrictions as far as capacity. Um, there's, you know, a handful, four or five AHL teams that have come out with attendance policies in terms of requiring either a COVID vaccination card or a negative, a recent negative test. Uh, there will be state to state varying mask mandates or requirements. Um, then, of course, you have fans, whether they feel, even if they're fully vaccinated, do they feel uh, safe, uh, even if they're masked, going out and being amongst other people in an indoor environment? There are, you know, of course, there's concerns with the Delta variant and breakthrough cases are happening more and more frequently. So you're going to have fans that have that hesitancy. On the flip side of that, you're going to have fans and potentially even staff or players um, who, uh, due to medical reasons, uh, can't be vaccinated. There's a, an associate coach of uh, the Sharks organization just had to step down because he's medically unable to receive any of the vaccinations that are currently on the market. Um, so then, you know, we we're talking about, you mentioned that these, the league 
goes across two different countries. There's cross-border policies. Will any of those change uh, throughout the year as far as travel back and forth for teams? Um, There are a lot of factors here in terms of things that directly impact the amount of tickets available for a night. And of those tickets that are available, is it a full house? And even if it's a full house or not, do these teams have the ability to sell every ticket that they have available every single night? And, and, and what happens if there's a pause or a shutdown or there's significant drop off in attendance? Um, there's just so many question marks in, in the weeks and months ahead for every one of these front offices. And that's the issue. I mean, th- this is a tough business in the best of times. I mean, we, we know that. I mean, especially the first half of the year is a lot of times you're up against the NFL, uh, in the States with, with college football, you know, things like that. So that, that that's a battle. Now you have this whole other situation piled on top of it and uh, you're trying to sell tickets. And, you know, like you said, um, there will be a certain segment of fans that aren't comfortable uh, with the idea of being in, in an arena indoors. Um uh, vaccinated or not, I mean that that's I think the other thing too. I, maybe we were incorrect in our perception last year, but there was a sense more that if you died the vac- vaccine, that you were good to go, right? Like, mm-hmm. and uh, that you could kind of frolic about with no issues. And now it's like, well, you're better off than, than, than not having it. But like you said, there's still the potential for breakthrough cases. So I think that is something that hangs over at least some people's heads um, in the sense of how do you manage this on, on a personal basis? And, you know, in certain markets, uh, the fan base definitely skews older. So that that's a factor. Um, mm-hmm. This is also a league that, that caters to families and kids, you know, so kids under 12 right now, have no uh, opportunity to be vaccinated, even if they want to be or if their parents want them to be. So um, they're in school. Um, so that's that, that's a complicated issue. So, you know, the league's kind of getting hit on, on multiple fronts here. And, you know, once again, I mean, the league, I mean, full credit to how they, how they came through last season. I mean, frankly, I mean, it was, it was amazing. Um, how well they relatively came through it. But, you know, this is just one more test and, you know, just trying to get back up on your feet now. And you're still taking um, taking on all these uh, these issues. And it's just, you know, at a certain point, it's, you know, it's just a lot for any league to handle, especially a league that, you know, definitely runs a, a, a lean operation and uh, by necessity. And now you're trying to take on all these other additional roles. I mean, you know, every time, every time you add a new protocol, that that's that's more manpower that you you need, right? In terms of actually implement that. So, if you're doing vaccine checks at the front gate uh, for tickets, well, that's people you have to hire uh, to sit there and, and sift through that. You know, with each fan. So, if you have six thousand fans coming in that night, that's X number of staff that you have to hire in addition to what you already have sort of make that uh, procedure run as smoothly as possible. So there's just a lot lot coming at the league and the individual teams. And, uh, you know, this was such a theme last year. There's no real playbook. I mean, there was less of a playbook last year, but uh, in some ways 
um, that playbook is now have to has to kind of be an updated version of how do you manage this now with, with larger numbers of fans and this new Delta variant uh, that's hanging around that uh, seems pretty stubborn and uh, doesn't seem like it wants to go away anytime soon. And the other variant that's uh, up and coming, the Mu variant, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, reportedly a vaccine resistant. Uh, variant. So all of these unknowns, all of these twists and turns, uh, it's very difficult for, uh, as you described, lean organizations to to plan. Uh, There's enormous pressure on AHL franchises who are, you know, some are break even at best and and they have all of these extra costs to to operate the franchise. They have diminished revenue opportunities um and 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 are doing so with a, 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 a most for the most part a much smaller staff and and they're already you know you, you, we already admire uh, the people in the front office for the AHL uh, franchises they're they you know they're they're very lean operations they work hard they're creative they uh, each of them t- tends to wear many hats and and you look at uh, I had to look through the promotional schedules. Uh, for each of the team and and they're having to be very creative to try and attract fans and and you have the San Diego uh, Gulls that are going to have six new specialty jerseys for for the year uh, they're having tailgate parties uh, the Ontario rain they're going to have nine new uh, specialty jerseys for the the season uh, these people are having to um, you know to be very creative and and um, they're, they're some of the best people in, in, in hockey, the, the ones that, that we've met that work in these front offices. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're the heart and soul of this league. I mean, you know, across all 31 markets and then certainly, obviously, the, the head office in Springfield, um, keeping this whole thing on track year in and year out. And, um, and that's when everything's more or less running smoothly and and you're not up against uh, this pandemic. So uh, I think that's a great point about the jerseys. I think teams, you're going to see all sorts of creative uh, ways to tweak out a little bit more revenue here or there or um, anything you can do. I mean, just to uh, make up some of the difference from last season where, uh, you know, for so many teams, um, not only do they not bring in revenue, they, they took significant uh, financial hits. I mean, testing costs uh, last season were, uh, you know, substantial. And I think that's putting it kindly. And, um, you know, that's, uh, as we said before this segment, uh, that's something where you don't really have anything to show for it in terms of, uh, you know, that you're building long term. I mean, you're not, you know, you're spending that kind of money and you're not getting anything for it beyond what you hope will be uh, a lot of negative tests and safety. So, um, which is great, but it's 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 money that um, that is spent that is not being directed towards something else more long term. So um, the teams are facing a lot of a uh, lot of kind of incoming pressures and a lot of different uh, areas of their operation that uh, um, they've never had to face before. Now you're facing that in addition to all the standard stuff of trying to get people to come out on a, on a, on a Wednesday night in the middle of the winter time when the weather's not great and the kids have school the next day. And, um, and the team, you know, the, the home team's in fifth place. Um, so, um, those are not easy, um, challenges, uh, for any front office and least of all, when you have 
all this on top of it. So um, it's a situation where uh, front office people, I mean, they are certainly earning their money uh, this year uh, in terms of what they're being asked to do and and, uh, new creative ways of generating revenue uh, that they're coming up with. We mentioned a little earlier in this segment um, that there are a handful, maybe four or five uh, AHL teams who have already announced um, attendance policies in terms of vaccination requirements or negative test requirements and so on. Um, Syracuse, I believe, being the first to jump out there and do that. Um, How much, I guess, my question for for you, Patrick, is um, is there any indication as to whether or not the league is going to put out its own league-wide mandate? Are they going to leave it up to the discretion of individual teams? And, And now that there's a handful of them who have put out a policy, how many others, do, do you anticipate that this will be something we'll see each team come out with its own policy or or will this kind of be hit or miss here and there? Well, that's a, that's a challenge, right? Because you're in 31 markets, two countries, uh, various states and provinces and uh, localities also um, where there can be some fairly significant variation in terms of uh, government mandates and rules uh, that teams have to follow um, above and beyond anything the league comes up with. So um, from what I understand, I think the league will um, sort of have some uh, you know, kind of standard framework of like, all right, you have to be doing this, this, and this. Uh, it can't be a complete free-for-all. Um, but um, with the ability to sort of tailor it to your individual markets, your fan base, etc. cetera. So, um, but the challenge with that, too, is just this thing keeps changing really fast. I mean, you know, when you think back two months ago um, to July and in the States, uh, for example, um, things were looking really positive. I mean, the case... The caseload got down to about 2,000 a day uh, for a while. And uh, now, obviously, that number is um, skyrocketed. But um, so things can shift fairly quickly um, and fairly dramatically. And so the policy you come up with in September or October, you know, could be very outdated for better or for worse by December. I mean, maybe. Hey, maybe we all catch a break, and by December this thing is is uh, come down, and uh, things are uh, back on the upswing. It's also quite possible that this could get worse before it gets better. So uh, you know, now you're hearing more and more, uh, you know, people in that you know in the medical field speaking of this more of a you know endemic that this is going to really be hanging around for a while. Maybe not uh, on a as severe basis uh, as it was at the worst uh, points, but. Just something that this is not going away as much as we hope to. And, you know, I think back to March 2020 and they, you know, sort of the more, I guess, pessimistic, uh, pro, you know, prognostications were that this thing would um, probably go to about the fall of uh, 2021. But by then it should be it should be gone and out of our hair. And uh, I remember thinking at the time, oh, my God, it's going to be 18 months of this. Um <laughs> Here we are, fall of 2021 coming upon us, and um, we're better than we were. But you know, this thing is still a part of day-to-day life uh, for a lot of people. And I mean, you have to take it seriously. Like you know, I mean, you can't just 
can't just blow it off and pretend it doesn't exist. It's there and it's very real. And um, as much as all of us would like to, to move on from it, it's still it's still there and it's still hanging uh, around us. So um, I guess the next step is to, to try to not make it worse, you know, and then hopefully eventually you can, can get through this. But uh, for right now, this is just, uh, you know, obviously this goes far beyond uh, the American Hockey League or, you know, any individual team or their, even the sport of hockey. Uh, this has got wide, wide implications across really all segments of society. And, um, but, uh, you know, in the American Hockey League, you know, in their corner of the world, um, all those forces are coming into play here. And um, unfortunately, you know, as you know, any business wants to control as much as it can control and, and reduce uncertainty as much as possible, but you can't do that. Right. Because this is, um, this is just beyond your control and you're, tr- you're, you're playing from behind and you're reacting to what's being dealt to you rather than um, necessarily being able to, to handle things, uh, you know, on your own terms. So, uh, this is a real challenge for teams, and um, you know I think unfortunately this is going to probably be the theme of this season. You know, in a lot of ways that uh, you know, even if you know you're able to play a full season under an outfit, and we all hope that's the case, that you know this is all still unfortunately going to be kind of you know in our hair for quite some time to come. Well, and and. As you say, things are, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what the upcoming months hold. Um, the medicine even, and the science keeps changing. There's there's a mm-hmm. real potential that um, a, a third shot, a booster may be needed uh, in, in the relatively short term. And then what does that do to uh, attendance protocols and amendments that need to be made to, it's, it's as you say, it's gonna, I think it's gonna be very fluid. Um, so what is, you know, I guess kind of as a, as a, as a final question, kind of the, the overarching question is just how crucial is, is it for this season to be, you know, a majority successful for, for the AHL and its viability moving forward? Um, about as essential as, as it gets, um, that uh, you know, you, you you can scale operations back uh, only up to you know such a point. At some point, you you have to start bringing in revenue, and um, if you're going to be a viable you know, operation, and, and if you're going to sustain and maintain everything that you've built for the past eighty plus years, and uh, you know the league, you know this is this is the theme I always seem to come back to that the irony or whatever the word you want to use of this situation is that if you, if you go back to January, 2020 at the all-star game in Ontario, California, I would say the leaders wasn't as good a place as it had ever been. Uh, there was no major fires. Um, I remember us sitting there at the, uh, state of the lead address with, 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 uh, Dave Andrews at the time. And, um, there wasn't a whole lot to discuss. And that was the first time I had ever uh, been a part of that. I mean, because, you know, most years uh, there's a, a long, long laundry list of, of items that uh, um, have to be dealt with and, and are, are, you know, varying degrees of uh, fires that have to be put out. And um, it was pretty calm. I mean, that, that was the, the irony. Uh, that's the league was in such a great place. And six weeks after that happened, 
the roof caved in, so to speak, not only on the lead, but on uh, the world at large. And um, for the most part, they've uh, been able to come through it relatively unscathed. Um, you know, obviously, Binghamton lost their franchise this past year, but, uh, you know, they had had some uh, challenges already. Um, but uh, you want to you want to test that? Again, do you want to try to push your luck a second year? That's, I think, where the league finds itself at, where you're really playing with fire at a certain point, where if you're trying to get through a whole other year, uh, significantly reduced revenue or no revenue, uh, God forbid. Um, so um, I don't think anybody anywhere in or around the league wants to see that situation play out. Uh, so I... But, you know, this is going to be a case where Scott Halston and the, and the league as a whole, the, all 31 clubs, their front offices, um, fans are going to have to buy in. Players are going to have to buy in. Players were great last year. Um, they, by and large, did what they had to do last year. But you have to do that again this year. And now the fans have to do their part uh, as well in terms of, uh, you know, following certain protocols if that's what has to be done. Uh, and that's, I think, what will ultimately get the league through this uh, season um, in good shape and uh, ready to really start to tackle things moving forward. But you're right. It is playing with fire. It is It is uh, a, a really crucial season for the AHL um, because all of this, we, we felt all of this is temporary, uh, even though that temporary, as you said, has, has carried on for 18 months. Um, but if it goes on, if, if the, the league isn't return, able to return to some sense of normal uh, this year, if there is some sort of full stop, if there is a, an unexpected turn, uh, then that's when the permanent, permanent effects start happening. This is, a, mm-hmm. this is an entertainment business. And, um, and if it, you know, it's one thing if it affects um, uh, franchises uh, financially and they aren't ab- able to continue. That's a, that's one aspect that can happen this year. The other aspect is there can be a permanent effect in in behavioral patterns and how fans consume their uh, consume their and spend consume their entertainment and spend their entertainment dollars. Um, and if if uh, they're trained uh, to to deal with the league differently, rather than to come out to, to buildings, um, and and that that source of gate revenue is 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 changed significantly, uh, then that's gonna that's really going to change the mandate of of the AHL. Um, so yeah, it's crucial for everybody to buy in, as you said, whether it's the the franchises, whether it's the players and the fans that everybody needs to do their part. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Just in, um, uh, like you said, uh, behavioral patterns. I mean, it's, it's tough to get people off their couch these days. I mean, <laughs> not just in the American hockey, you really, even in the major league sports, uh, a lot of people, you know, it's a lot easier to, to sit, you know, uh, on a weeknight, stay at home, um, put on Netflix or whatever, or hang out on social media and argue with people that is to uh, pack up the family and uh, go to the game and buy tickets and, and everything that comes with that and get the kids back home in time for, you know, for bed, for school, all that. And um, it's tough, right? It's tough to get people to do that. And um, the longer you have people out of that habit, 
the harder it is to get them back into that habit. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's a real it's a real issue uh, for teams. And I think that is a big part of why you're seeing a lot of this creative uh, marketing and uh, different initiatives to to entice people to come out as much as possible and uh, and to say nothing obviously of uh, the financial effects a lot of people have been through in the last 18 months that uh, people have lost jobs or they they've perhaps at the very least had uh, some real financial uncertainty uh, with their situations so it, with that being the case um, that's going to put a damper on anybody's uh, desire and or ability to uh, you know go um, walk up to the uh, box office and and put money down for tickets so um, those are a lot of yeah those are major factors for fans and for teams uh, that, that that behavioral psychology and you know uh, that uh, habit forming uh, for good or bad um, that that's uh, everybody is, is subject to in one way or another well I think the uh, the one thing that we can agree on is that there's a lot of uncertainty (laughs) um but i think we can all also agree that uh, despite all of the uncertainty despite the anxiety surrounding it and and despite how critical this season is it's exciting that at least um rick was the one that mentioned this this phrase before the show that it's exciting that the ahl is currently on a path to normalcy to a to kicking off the season uh, the way it's supposed to um and uh it's just our our hope and fingers stay crossed that uh, everyone stays healthy and, and that the the league stays healthy um, moving forward through this season and beyond. Um, Patrick, uh, it's exciting having you on the team. I can't, uh, on, on behalf of all of us here at Rocket Sports, we're so glad to have you. Uh, I know our, our listeners are, are very much enjoying uh, hearing from you regularly. Um, this is a, this was a great topic, uh, certainly very timely, and uh, we will we will be back in two weeks with another AHL hot stove with Patrick Williams. Uh, again, find him at P Williams AHL. And uh, Rick, I think this was a this was a great topic to break down. It's it's interesting because yeah, we're certainly glad to have uh, Patrick as part of the Rocket Sports team. But uh, these these uh, AHL hot stove conversations, discussions every two weeks, um, you know, it's it's uh, the kind of topics that. We don't we don't prepare extensively uh, in terms of uh, how we communicate our ideas to each other, but uh, each of us these are are issues that we've each thought about. They're on our minds. We've thought about a lot, and uh, it's it's interesting to to have these kind of discussions where we're able to feed off each other and and uh, and share our ideas. and And I I, I think they're really valuable for fans and and uh, they're things that you know, in their own markets, uh, fans are thinking about, and, and we hope to hear from you as you listen to these discussions and respond to them and, and let us know what it means to you and your AHL franchise. And Patrick, thanks so much for being here uh, again this week, and uh, we can't wait till you're back again on the Press Zone. Well, thank you. Uh, fun as always. <laughs> Uh, well, Rick, it's 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 always really fun when Patrick joins us. I think we could go on and on and on. Uh, there's so many deep little rabbit holes that we can dive down into, but it was uh, it was great to have Patrick back on the show today. Absolutely. And if you want to react to the, the segment, reach out to us on social media. Uh, call our Rocket Sports uh, or text our Rocket Sports text line five eight five three Rocket and and uh, share your your thoughts with us. 
And if you want to be sure that you don't ever miss an episode of The Press Zone, if you're maybe new to the show, uh, we welcome you, first of all. Secondly, we just invite you to subscribe. Whatever uh, podcast player you're currently using to listen to this podcast, just take a look down, hit that subscribe button. Uh, We are on all of the major podcast platforms, and uh, we certainly don't ever want you to miss an episode of The Press Zone. Uh, Beyond that, uh, we did mention this at the top of the show. Applications are absolutely pouring in uh, from folks who are interested in joining either the AHL report team or the or the All Habs team, basically the Rocket Sports media team for this upcoming hockey season. If you would like to get in on that, we are still accepting applications. Uh, just head over to uh, ahlreport.com slash join dash our dash team and uh, or just go to ahlreport.com and look for the join our team article that's right there gives you all the information and we certainly hope to hear from you uh rick this was a jam-packed show today terrific show (laughs) uh and it's uh you know it's really no longer the off season so each week we're going to be back of course with more and more information for you uh here at the press zone we're so thankful for your listenership and we can't wait to talk to you again next tuesday right here on the press zone on rocket sports radio click subscribe to never miss an episode of the press zone on rocket sports radio Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.